Kevin, episode 11, buddy. Happy to have you here. Welcome to the Cue the Duck Boats podcast. How you doing today, buddy, on this beautiful Friday? I'm doing good, despite the cold weather here in Massachusetts. It's kind of warmer compared to the other days of the week, but we're hanging in there. We're feeling good. What's nice the, and warm right now. What's the temperature right now uh, in Nantucket? Is it uh, on Nantucket or in Nantucket? What's the correct way to say it? On Nantucket? Because we're at an island. Fair, okay. So right now, it's 20 degrees, but... 28? We, all, we always have wind here. Oh, like that coastal breeze. So right now we have real feel of ten degrees. So, so it's it's eighteen in situate. I'll tell you what the real feel is. I know this is exactly what everyone wants to hear. Real feel is nine. So we're beating you. But all right, let's jump into. Yeah, this thing. we have that 20, 20 mile an hour wind right yeah, now. Yeah, I know always. that's brutal. It's that's brutal. So Makes it worse. Like it's a warm day, and then you step outside of the car, of the house, and that wind hits you in the face, and it's like, oof. Oh, for sure. Wake up, there, boy. Definitely. So we had a lot of news this week in both the NHL and the NFL. So I think we'll actually be pretty balanced here, but we'll start off with, you know, we'll start off as we usually do with the Bruins and the biggest thing I think on everyone's mind, Brad Marshawn got hurt last night. And that is something that strikes fear in the Bruins fans, eyes, hearts everywhere. Right. I mean, like, did you see that? I hated the hit number one. I think Garnet Hathaway is a, is a shit bag. That's my best, my best review on that. It was such a dirty hit. He saw him going down. He came in and he, he put the shoulder and elbow right into the back of him and he pushed him into the boards from behind. If you see the numbers, you don't hit, you learn that all the way throughout hockey. And obviously that's how a guy like that made his career. So it just is what it is. But if Marshawn's out long-term, that's so major to the Bruins season. It, it could derail things so fast. I'm hoping he's not, but how do you feel about it? Yeah, definitely. Definitely changes the thing. That brings up to like, Oh, when he asked the Twitter, Twitter followers about their questions and, Connor Green asked us, can the Bruins win without Martian? And it's definitely going to be a tough challenge. Like, just as, even if Martian's not contributing to the scoreboard, he contributes in so many other ways, whether it's defensive or just bringing that energy that everyone wants to, like, step up their game. It's like Martian brings that. It's like, hey, I may not score tonight. I may not get a point at all, but my effort's there, like, what it's he always there. It's never it's always it never wavers. The motor on him is unreal. It's just he never stops. He, even after that final whistle, he doesn't stop. No, never. So, so missing that on like on your top line and just in the locker room on the bench, like that's huge. So I really don't know. It's like it just shows you a lot of people have to step up and be like, even with him, even with Martian out, hey, we're gonna do this for Martian. No matter what, we still have to do what he wants us to do. And if they can keep that mindset and keep that level of play, I have no question they'll keep winning, but it's going to be tough without him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you heard, I, I don't know if you listened to Nick Felino's interview from last night after the game. And he said, yeah, like he was asked if it makes them all want to step up. He's like, of course you do. He's like, of course you do. Like the whole team. He's like every single guy, when a guy like Brad Marshall gets hurt, wants to do a little more. So we collectively can pull things along. And that's what they did. I mean, last night was such a great character win. After we don't even need to talk about the game itself. Obviously, we're going to touch on what a great night it was to see Willie O'Ree's jersey race to the rafters. But 
you know, with Carolina, like that game just sucked, right? We played bad the whole time. And for the, Bruins, for the Bruins to turn around and put out such a great effort against the Caps last night and get that late win, it was such a character win. And that's exactly what you want to see out of our team. To play off what Kevin said, we're going to start doing a segment, I think, every week where we're going to start to ask some of our listeners, some of our followers questions. We're going to try to answer them all on the pod. So that was the first one we touched on with Connor Green. Obviously, Connor's a friend of the podcast and a huge part of Inside the Rink, so shout out to him. But I think we both agree that I think the Bruins can make the playoffs if Marshawn misses an extended period of time due to the fact that I think within the locker room, the character those guys have, it'll be such a wake-up call and such a driving force that guys are going to want to do it for him because I don't think he's going to be out for the year, you know, if he's hurt. So it would be maybe to the playoffs, something like that. If he broke his collarbone, you'd be looking at like eight to 12 weeks. So he'd still be back, but either way, it's not good. I mean, obviously we're hoping it's, we're hoping it's just one game, but even one game without Brad Marshawn's bad, right? <laughs> like, Oh, it's you. It's just it's crazy. To well, that yeah. level of intensity. It's yeah, changes. exactly. Exactly. And someone else has to try to do that, which I think they have the guys to do it. It's just, who yeah, I mean, think, who would slide up into his role though? In that DeBrusque will. DeBrusque will for now. Cassidy said it. So, I mean, and that's a guy, you know, we'll jump into that. Jake DeBrusque played great last night. He really did from start to finish. And he elevated this game more when he was playing in Marshawn's spot. And again, I'll pose you with the question. I think I know, we don't really know the answer, but what if Jake DeBrusque fits into this role for the next few weeks, right? If that's the case and he plays well, it's like, is there a way that maybe we change his mind and he wants to stay and it could work out? I don't know. It doesn't look that way. It really doesn't, but you know, you have to give Jake DeBrus some credit here to the fact that he's giving 100% effort and still playing his best hockey, even after requesting a trade. A lot of guys don't do that. So I respect Jake DeBrus. I wish him nothing but success, whether he's on the Bruins or he's not. I really do. Totally. You know, I totally agree. It's like from, for DeBrus, he's looking long-term and everything is what, 24, 25. So it's even in this one season, like, yeah, he's getting the opportunity. And for us, it's actually, it's kind of almost good because it just, it ups his trade value and what we get back for him. But for DeBrusque, obviously he wants out. He wants to be that star on another team. And there's, so as long as we can, he can hype up his trade value and give us a good return. It helps everyone. It hurts no one. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like if Jake DeBrusque, the Bruins fans were like mad about Jake DeBrusque playing good for us now. It's like, shut up, dude. It's like he's still helping your team. He doesn't have to do that. Like, what do you, I mean? Right. We're getting wins and we might get a better return because of it. It's, you, you can't be upset about that. No, like, yeah, not at all. Like, exactly. If you actually understand the game and how it's done, it's, yeah. It's you just can't like, be upset. and you can tell, like, he still gets along with the guys in the team. It's clearly like he needed a change of scenery due to opportunity and probably his relationship with Bruce Cassidy. I think that has a big factor to it. I think Bruce rubbed him the wrong way too many times. I'm not blaming Bruce. I'm not blaming Jake because we're not in that situation. So we don't really know who's the driving force behind it. But I know that there's more to the story that we get to know. You know what I mean? He Jake DeBrus comes from an NF, NHL family. He he something more is going on there that we don't know. And it's just we're never gonna know. So unless he stays with the Bruins or he leaves and he talks. Like it's just it just is what it is. But let's get into a little bit, you know, happier topic. Willie O'Ree. It was pretty awesome to see 22 get raised up in the rafters as the you know the first player to the first black player to play in the NHL. He broke the color barrier. And I think that his number should have been retired a long time ago. I think that's kind of what everyone said, right? And they've been trying now for a couple of years. It's just, they wanted to have at least fans in the building. They wanted to have him too. And it sucked that he couldn't be there, but I, I listened to his whole speech and it was pretty uplifting too, just to see, especially getting to see Anson Carter, who was a black player who played for the Bruins get to raise his number up. I thought that was pretty awesome. So 
I thought that was cool. Did did you enjoy watching it? I thought, I thought it was cool. Other oh, game was just so like like the yeah, exactly. Like, the game like effort. the game ruined the moment, but like I know that moment it was didn't. so I mean, Yeah, it was, it was great to see, but I wish the Bruins could have put a little better effort. But I feel like no. they must feel the same way. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's like on a very special night. <clears throat> it was crazy, but like Willie really, O'Ree, really it's like he was also like legally blind in one eye I when know. he did play. It's so it's crazy. Like, so did you breaking the color his... barrier? You only see in one eye, really. And it's oh, I scored like, four goals for us. So I got into this with I was talking with my dad about it. If you look at his stats in the WHL post playing for the Bruins, playing for the teams, he was nasty. <laughs> he was such a good goal scorer. He put up so many points, and it makes you think like. It, there, without a doubt to me, like if he was white, he would have got another chance in the NHL, right? Like it, in those times, like it's crazy. But like, I mean, it's just, it shows how much things have changed, obviously, and things are moving in the right direction in the NHL, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, black players in the NHL you think to are some of the stars of the league now, which is great to see. Look at a guy like PK Subban, who's been a star in this league for a long time. He's not in the position he's in, and he said it himself, if for like Willie O'Ree, a guy like Ryan Reeves, who I like a lot, guy like Biz. You know what I mean? Biz is Biz is half black. I like him. Yeah, he, like he talks Jerome, about it too. Jerome and Jerome Gidla, Gidla, all these guys like exactly. that. And I mean, I think it it's cool that black Canadians and African Americans can like have someone to look up to that plays hockey because obviously we want hockey to grow as a whole and grow with everybody. So it was good to see. I think it's long overdue, and Hugh the Duck Boats was happy to see it. I think that's pretty much the best way to put it. I was getting to something else with that game. So before that game, Brad Marchand was doing his thing. And he, he trolled Vincent Trocek. Trocek called him a rat. And then Marshy said, and then <laughs> and Marshawn <laughs> compared his stats and said it's like comparing a Prius to a Lamborghini. <laughs> it was hilarious. It did go uh, bad, though. It, it, went, awesome. bad. Yeah. it went bad. It went bad. There was a point. Games, they, they, they cheered back. Well, well, I guess L stands for Lamborghini. Yeah. And then they also Their said. Their 20 guys were not. They were not having it. This they also they also showed a video of Marshawn getting popped by Trocheck and said the first time a Prius is total Lamborghini, which was also pretty funny. I think Marshy probably laughed at that though, so it kind of says what it is. That obviously has nothing to do with the Bros' big loss. It just it just happened. Yeah, and the twenty percent escrow. Sure, right back. Which is hilarious. If anyone doesn't know, the NHL players pay like twenty percent escrow because the fans in some of these low markets cannot fill the building, and therefore their owners don't make money, and the players <laughs> make up the difference. Carolina is <laughs> one of those teams, but it's just yeah, that was so funny. I thought and that, that was one guy tried to turn back and Marshall's like, "Dude, you have no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> yeah, just stop. Yeah, yeah it's, it's hilarious. And this, I mean, Marshawn is so good for the game. Like, I just, Dude, especially you saw last what was it. Took the last phone night, last night. took the fan's phone. Yeah, that's hilarious. Goes down the hallway with it. He's like, yo, BM63, what's yeah. up? Like, it just shows we just – I don't know whose phone this is, but – We need Brad Marchand on the Boston Bruins forever, and we need him back as soon as possible. So hopefully it's something short-term. And Marshy's tough as nails. I mean, like he took shifts last night hurt trying to still play. He was out there in the power play. He will be back 20 days before he's allowed to be. We know that. So I don't worry about anything like that. Yeah, like what would happen to his nose? And he comes out and he just comes out. Yeah, he's just ridiculous. Ridiculous player. But it's, it's what it is, right? He's hurt, and we're going to have to figure it out. I had this question set up for you before Marshawn got hurt yesterday. We were originally planning on recording yesterday, but we had some scheduling issues. But what do you think the Bruins are missing? Like, what when you look at their team, what do you think the number one – I know there's multiple things, but I want you to give me your number one thing the Boston Bruins are currently missing right now. Well, like we talked about all season was secondary scoring, but like now we have it. So, like, right. 
it's like that kind of is answering the question for that. I still feel like we could improve on like getting a number one guy. And was well, what we'll go into later with talking about like what does Jake Debrus get back and yeah the whole like all these trades that are possibly with the guys we have. But I don't know. I still feel like that defense is there. It's and maybe in like even the way Olmark's looked, even like last night against Cap- the Capitals, he did well. But he did play well. But he lets in some goals. But just like, there's uh, some goals that are just kind of question mark and. We're and not going to make a judgment on Tuka yet. We're just no, exactly. That brings so the whole that. like the whole Swayman part, like his comments recently about like I'm here to play at NHL level. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to play the NHL. Like I will do what the team needs, but yeah, he said be, it's he might not be winning like for that. the Bruins. He, like, yeah, he's, yeah, exactly. He said it's not ideal, and he wanted to be winning for the Bruins, and I don't blame him. I mean, I think it's the right answer. Right? So I think it's definitely a little bit like that fourth line for us, and probably a little more production. And obviously our defense, like having a little more in that in the back end of it, and yeah, maybe even goaltending at this point. But I, I'm gonna say, gonna like wait and see. So with the fourth line, I think we have to wait and see what Freddie back healthy looks like with that line. They were starting to gel. I think with Nosik, Frederick, and Lazario, a really good fourth line there, and I think we'll find that out with defense. I think we do need another top four defense, but I really do. Um, we, we do. We need one. It's that simple. So I'm hoping the Bruins make a move within the next month to get one so they can start to get in gel and move forward. Forward depth-wise, our secondary scoring I'm less worried about. I think we could still use a second-line center. But Eric Halla each game, including last night, has proved more and more that he's playing pretty damn good in that spot. So I, I think you have to prioritize defense right now over that. Goaltending, I'm not going to say we need anything for goaltending. It's there. There's question marks around what we have. But it is what it is. We're not going to make a move to add a piece there. I just don't see that. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. Like we're going to add a piece, but we need to figure it out. It, yeah, it's going to be balanced between Tuka, Olmark, and Swayman. Yeah, I, like, I think Swayman pretend, might get another game this year. You're right. Do you potentially see Swayman getting called back up because he has a two way contract? I think he so. Could. It's going to be tough. Like I agree, especially hey, I, like if we do make the playoffs come playoff time. Does Cassie feel like Swayman's our best bet to be that? I don't know. I know that one A two Tuka and it'll be interesting. It really will. Or if or if Olmark will win out that job and Tuka will be his backup. We have no idea what's going to happen with goaltending. We haven't from the start of the year, and things are only more convoluted now. No one's given us an answer yet. You usually hope by February you have that answer, and I don't think we're going to. So oh, it's looking like a little more March, March yeah. April. Yeah, but we'll jump off. You know, directly those topics. Let's talk about Carson Kuhlman. It, it did. I I was unhappy to see Carson Kuhlman get claimed on waivers. I'll remember his goal in the Stanley Cup final. He sniped in game seven. We still lost, but it was a nice shot. Um, sucks to see Kuhlman go for nothing. But if the Bruins are letting him go through waivers, they knew he was going to get picked up. I think it's probably just an okay, hoping to give a guy an opportunity somewhere else. Obviously, they probably were trying to move him, and they couldn't. And I, I hope he does well in Seattle. I do. I know he was playing last night. I didn't see if he had any points. I'll take a look right now. Um, but how do you feel about Kuhlman going? Yeah, it's just like it's just another death piece we had, like high energy. And they like said, like, it's tough to see whenever you have a guy that's shown he can, like, kind of give it at the NHL level, go for nothing. It's kind of always like, damn, could you have gone something? But yeah. even whether it's a late round pick or anything, but it's still tough. Like, Oh, for sure. Like, you're not never happy to see it, but kind of is what it is. Just had to address it. 
I did see something start to circulate on Twitter the other night. I don't know if it's true or not, but I saw that Zach Shenison to Seattle trade rumor popping around. Not to Seattle, sorry. Zach Shenison to St. Louis trade rumor starting to pop around. I haven't seen much come of it in the last couple of days, so I think I'm going to put it on the back burner as factual. I'm not saying it's not. I just haven't really seen much follow-up on it. If it does happen, then good. I mean, if we're moving away from these guys who clearly aren't getting a chance in Boston, we get anything in return. If it's a disgruntled prospect from St. Louis or a pick, anything, I'm happy at this point. We spent a first-round pick on Shenishin. Obviously not working. wasn't worth it at this point, at least in our system. So get whatever you can. That's kind of my opinion. No, exactly. And like with him wanting out and everything, too, you start seeing what can we do as a package. Yeah, yeah. Make a, make Especially a with Senechin, DeBrusque, and the big one that's come out on trade block is Euro Vikaninen. Like, yep. Yeah. That's I didn't, another I, thing. So I didn't even you, know that one. You told me. Yeah. So it's like with those three, what could you really package them, maybe a second, third round pick too? And what could you possibly get in return like I, down the line? See, I look at a trade with DeBrusque, Senechin, and Vikaninen, and that's three first round picks. Vakaninen seems like he could be an NHL defenseman. I think he still needs a little more time, but he looks like he could play at the NHL level. Zach Shenishin's looked good every call up he's ever gone. He's a, a good player in the AHL. I think he could be a good bottom six forward. I really do in the NHL. Jake DeBrusque's a top six forward in the NHL. That's a lot of value. I think with if you're trading the three of those guys on, around this deadline and you're willing to throw some picks in too, you should be able to sure up getting another center, and getting a defenseman. Only one of them is going to be top-end trading those guys. You're not going to get two top-end players. It's not going to happen. But I do think it's possible to make some serious moves with those guys. And I, I'm starting to narrow down like what I'm hearing, and I, I think John Klingberg is actually a legit chance he comes to Boston. I think we probably pay a decent amount for him. I think it's going to take a Jake DeBrusque and a second-round pick to get Klingberg. I don't know if we do it unless we're sure we can sign him. From what I'm hearing from Honestly, Connor. Connor's the one who gives me a lot of my information. Connor Green of Inside the Ring. Is he's looking for between seven, eight years, seven and a half, eight million. I think it's an overpay for him. I really do. So I'm not a big fan of it. I think if you yeah, get him to come in around seven. Especially at 29 years old. Yeah, I just don't love it. Tough. Yeah, I don't love it. I mean, I like five years, seven million, five years, six and a half million max, really. So I don't yeah, know. Get him out of there when he's 34, 35. Let him start doing the one, two-year deals. And- yeah. If you're going to go get Chikrin from Arizona, I feel differently. I would trade DeBrusque, Yerho, and Shenny if we could do that to get him. He's a stud, an actual stud, and he has term, I think, at $5 million, 5.25 or something. Um, that's different, much different. That's a much better player. That's someone who instantly comes in, changes the whole look of your back end. And, you know, that – that's something that I think pushes the Bruins into instant Stanley cup contention. I really do, but I don't know. Like, I just don't know if they can make that deal. I also like Lawson Krause who plays for Arizona. I think he's a big bodied winger who can come in and give us some grit because we're showing time and time again, a guy like Marshawn gets hurt. We didn't even talk about it. The hit on bleed, but another bad hit, no one's standing up for our guys. And the guys who stand up for our guys are McAvoy, Bergeron, Marshawn. That's not who it's supposed to be. You need to get some grit in this lineup. You really do. And a guy like Lawson Krause does that. But yeah, so like the base salary right now, I think um, it's 5.3 for a chicken. It's not bad at all. It's the average of the whole contract was 4.6, but now it's 5.3 right now. But yeah, I mean, it's 
it's a decent contract for that guy, but he's obviously worth a lot. And we're not giving an Eichel like return. So kind of got to figure that out, but we'll see. I think if we're looking for centers on the trade block, we talked about it last week. We can talk about it again. I like Claude Giroux. I like Thomas Hurdle. Those are two names I like. Giroux's probably one year and you're really trying to go for it. Hurdle's, you know, your future first line center, I think. So either way, I'm interested. I think the Bruins have the assets to make moves and I think they have the team to want to push to do that. So I think if we make the right moves, we can really push for a Stanley Cup. As we're as we are right now, I don't think we can win one. So a move has to happen. I don't know. That's kind of my opinion on that. No, I totally agree. It's just like with your depth and this shown it's you're not winning a Stanley Cup. It's you're gonna get out muscled, you're gonna outplayed and especially with these teams like Carolina and Florida, the way they've come, it's they've shown, hey, we're billing in this certain way and we're here to stay. So we have to get with times and we gotta figure out how we're gonna beat how we're gonna beat these new teams. Exactly. I mean, we used to look at Carolina as our little brother, right? They were the little brother team. We never lose to them. Well, we just lost seven nothing and they outmuscled us the whole game. I don't want to play them in the playoffs anymore. I used to want to. Times are changing and the Bruins need to wake up, that's for sure. Before we jump into football talk, which obviously, you know, playoffs football, we have a lot of stuff to go over this week. And I guess we're going to touch on some NHL awards too first. So we do have a couple topics. But before we jump into the award talk, I want to talk to you about the biggest surprise for me so far this NHL season, the Edmonton Oilers. Sitting in second to last place in the Pacific, they're 18-16-2 for 38 points. It is bananas to me that this team is playing the way they are. I, I get it. They don't have a lot of depth, but they have so much firepower. I just can't understand it. I, I feel like the walls are caving in. Did you hear Drysaddle's interview the other day when the now the, he got called pissy? No. Yeah, he just like was barely answering the questions, and then the guy asking the questions called him pissy, and he was still kind of res- he it really like Drysaddle was still respectful. He was like, "No, I'm not." It was just it's just like it shows like things are falling apart there. How long do you think? Do you think if the Oilers make the playoffs, don't make the playoffs this year, McDavid ass out? I mean, it's tough. Like if I was him, I would. It's I know they're just they're not building, especially like you see the way Colorado keeps building and building around them and all those first round that picks. Ain't and, no, I know that's what I'm saying, but it's like the way Colorado has, they have the players, and even when McKinnon was out for that long, they're still winning. And then it's like you lose McDavid, you lose Drysaddle. They have no one. Oh yeah, dude. If McDavid it's, leaves, I think Drysaddle will be right out the door next. Ooh, oh, he's exactly. not gonna stay there. I think that if they don't make the playoffs this year, there's a legit chance you see those guys leave. In Edmonton, if that happens, I feel so bad for you because you are right back to how you were before you got Taylor Hall, and that is just a sad, sad franchise. So, <laughs> bless you, bless you. I'm sorry to where, see it. Really where, where, where would you think McDavid would go though? He'd go to the East. There's no way they'd give him to any team in the West. They wouldn't want to play him. And you know he's not coming to Boston. So he's going to torment us. We want him to stay in Edmonton, up up in Canada. Up yeah. in Western Canada. Stay there. I don't want to see – like, imagine him playing for the Rangers. The Rangers could put a package together to do it. They could trade Capo Caco, Alexi Lafreniere, and a first-round pick, maybe a second, and get the deal done. They have they have a lot of young talent. Oh, that would be – I would hate would not, He that. would thrive. He would thrive, too. So I don't even want to think about it. I don't oh, know. The Benajad, McDavid, yeah, they could, Chris Kreider. Yeah, they could be legit. Not exactly. I wouldn't I, – I mean, I just think that if he's going anywhere, it's, he's coming east. Um, but, I mean, last night they got smoked. Obviously, it's against a good team. It's 6 nothing against the Oilers uh, – against the Panthers. It's just – 
tough to see. You hate to see that for Connor McDavid. You really do. But let's get into some award talk. I think you want to touch on the top three players for each award. So I'll, I'll let you lead it off. Give me your top three for the Hart Trophy. Yeah, that was definitely everything I've been seeing so far. Oh, we're talking about the Hart Trophy. Yeah, so a lot, of, a lot of people are saying, like, Ovechkin. Like, ESPN did an early poll of, like, who they have, and Ovechkin has 6% of, like, his name is first on 6% of the ballots. Like, he's just showing, like, for him to keep that, for what he's doing, like, with his goals and his points, but also keeping the Capitals high up in the playoffs. Like, Ovechkin's been a big name that's been there for the first one. And then oh, one thing – Something to be said for that. I really, I mean, he's Ovechkin is Ovechkin. Exactly. And then, like, one thing, like, for us, it's we've talked about this before is like, Marshan's not getting the respect for the Hart Trophy and what he actually brings to the Boston Bruins and what he brings to the league. It's just, if you look at like where Marshan ranks in goals and points, was he's like, was he fourth in goals, fifth in points? It's just, he deserves to be up in the race, but he's not. People just don't see Martian as that MVP, which is tough. And then, what do you think about it, Jake? So, like, I look at it. My number one right now for the MVP is Brad Marshawn. I know how, like, I did, I know how it sounds, right? Like, because it's like being a Bruins homer. Like, I genuinely think Brad Marchand's been the best player in the NHL so far this year on every end of the ice. Like it's not just looking about offensively. It's about what he does for his team and how much he matters for his team. Nobody matters more to their team than Brad Marchand does to the Boston Bruins. And it's that simple. He is a constant play driver all the time. Like I don't, I don't get why he's not respected. I guess I do. I mean, it's because of his past, right? And it's because of the stigma around him and how everyone treats him and how he's a little bit, He's a little outgoing and he talks and he says things people don't like, but still, I mean, yeah, my number two is definitely Alex Ovechkin. He's leading the NHL in goals and points. What what more do you want? You know what I mean? Like he's at his age. And I, th- I actually think if Ovechkin wins it, I wouldn't be mad. It's not like a situation where I'd be like, oh, he shouldn't have did it, blah, 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 blah. No, like I think it's Ovechkin. My number three is Jonathan Huberto. I think those are my top three for the Hart Trophy. I think it's Ovechkin, Huberdeau, and Marshawn. Those are the three guys that I see really pushing and leading their team. If I had to give a fourth guy, it's Steven Stamkos, who's had a complete turnaround year. In 40 games, he has 48 points. He has 19 goals, 29 assists. Steven Stamkos has been back to being elite this year, and that's great to see for Tampa Bay fans. He's been really good the last couple of years, don't get me wrong, but he's back to being very elite. No, I totally agree. Another couple names are like I've also popped up in the articles we've been reading about is like Nazim Kadri and uh, Mika Rotten and like what they're doing out there in Colorado when Nathan McKinnon was hurt and everything, and they're keeping that team alive. It's Mika Rotten has 21 goals and 27 points, Kadri has 15 and 36, and just the leadership that they're showing it's their fifth and seventh in points. So Definitely a couple of back names. There's like so many good candidates this year. Especially saying Jonathan Huberdeau. He's leading that Florida Panthers team. And he's showing like without him, it's he's the heart and soul. It's not like Marshy is with the Bruins. Oh no, hundred percent. I agree hundred percent. He's he's definitely the heart and soul. Um and that's yeah, that's for the heart. And I guess if we look at the art Ross, I think it the guys we just talked about are also probably the favorites for that. I'm not gonna put Marsh on in that conversation. 
I think it's going to be either Ovechkin, McDavid, Drysaddle, or Huberto. Those are the four guys that are really pulling away and have the highest chance to keep producing at this rate. I think it's going to be one of them, especially with Marshawn Hurt. It's hard to put him in that grouping there. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I totally agree. I think I think OV will probably continue as long as he keeps his goal scoring up, but it's also with the assists and everything. Yeah. So as long as he finds a secondary way to get the points, Ovechkin should definitely win it. But also brings up to like we say about Martian, it's like going back to the um, going back to the Hart Trophy. It's with Martian being out, it's going to show how valuable he is to Boston. Oh yeah, if Boston does fall, which we hope that they don't, but if they do, it's going to show Martian means that much to the Bruins. Exactly, and yeah, I mean that. So that's kind of the right the heart and the. Dr. Ross are kind of like close for us because we're looking at points. I guess Marshawn's the only one who's more like when a guy really leads his team on every end of the ice. But yeah, I, I guess if I have to give one pick right now for the Art Ross, I'm going to give it to Ovechkin. Ovechkin team's winning. I think that there's some dark times ahead if they don't get it around quick in Edmonton. So I'm going to go Ovechkin for that. You too? Yeah, I'll definitely go Ovechkin. Jump to the Rocket Richard. It's your leaders right now. You have Ovechkin with 27 goals, Drysaddle with 26, Matthews with 25, Kreider with 25. It's up there. Troy Terry has 22, Dabrinkit has 23. So there's a lot of guys who are up there. And Pasta's coming. I mean, you have Marshawn at 20 and Pasta at 18. They're coming fast. Like, Pasta's scoring oh, goals. Mar- yeah, Pasta's well going like two he's goals back. a game almost yeah. at this point. But, he scores, he's scoring multiple goals. So. But you have to look at games played. Matthews is at 34 games played with 25 goals. My pick's Austin Matthews. What's yours? Yeah, I don't know. I definitely think I want to be Ovi. I like Ovi. Yeah, just, I'd rather be Ovi too. It, but like you said, Matthews, when Matthews wants to score, he scores. So He's two goals behind Matthews. seven less games. Two goals seven behind. Less. Yeah. Yeah. Ovi's played 41. Yeah. Matthews has played 34. He's like Matthews. That, that's the biggest. That's the biggest thing we have to look at when we look at these stats is how COVID's affected these guys. And ah, wait a second. On the Leafs, Matthews was out a couple games to start the year with his wrist, though, right? So he won't get those back. Let me just look quick. I think the Leafs have played thirty-six games. Let me just look quick. I will have this for us instantly. Leafs have played thirty-seven games. So let's look at it as four games still. I'm still going there with um. Yeah, so like, when you have to look at this, you have to look at the games played and everything. It's like COVID has sat back like a lot of players. Oh, like, for sure. Missing the games. And then as we look at the standings too, especially come playoffs, it's how many games do some of these teams have in hand, especially Boston. Like when we're in the wild card, but then you look at people in our division, it's we have like three, four games in hand. And so yeah, no, that's a big thing to keep in mind. I agree. Next one, change of the pace a bit. The Norris Trophy. Who do you have right now for your Norris Trophy leaders? Dude, Kale McCarr. Like yeah, his year is just—it's unreal. He's it's so nasty. It's—it's it's crazy. It's absolutely ridiculous. I have like I'm the only person I'm even going to talk about here is Kale McCarr. Really, I mean, I think that obviously Ekblad's having a great year. So is Victor Hedman. Both those guys are completely in the conversation. Yeah, Victor Hedman's there year year in year out, but like, yeah. Kale McCarr is finally showing, like, yo, this is oh, he's been showing. Like, he is dominating. Oh and that's like, I, I would actually think, goal, like, he's showing the points wise, defensive wise, but like that flair that he has going end to end, and that some of those goals he scores, it's like those digs and is going top shelf. It's it's stupid. Like, you don't expect a defenseman to do that. Like, his puck handling is better than some forwards. 
Yeah. Like it's just unreal. I, I would like to think a guy like Adam Fox is still very much in the conversation. Same thing with a guy like Charlie McAvoy. They're both kind of the step below Kale McCarr in a lot of ways. I think something that McAvoy has that the other young players don't have is he can he can really play the physical side of the game like those guys can't. I, I But it's hard to say that you would take McAvoy over McCarr right now. I mean, I love Charlie McAvoy, and I, I love what he brings to the Bruins. I think he's the future captain of the Boston Bruins. Kale McCarr's on a different level. He moves the puck like Ray Bork. <laughs> Like he, the way he skates so silky, it's ridiculous. Like I, I really, I, I like Kale McCarr's game a lot. Other than that, what else do you have here? Oh, how about the Calder, Kevy? Who do you feel about the Calder Trophy? I have my pick, so I can. I already know who your pick's gonna be, Trevor Zegers. Yeah. See, so yeah, I think it really only comes down to Trevor Zegers and Lucas Raymond. It does. I. It, it's the between it's the just two. those two. Yep. There's really nobody that's really. There's some people that are showing up, but. Just like we talk about like, the flair with Kale McCarr, but that's what Trevor Jenkins is bringing. It's just he's showing he gets the points, but there's that he's elevating his teammates and he's like changing the game, which we're seeing game in and game out. And it's just he yeah. has that ability, that's, yeah. So you gotta look like right. So Raymond has Raymond has 11 goals, 21 assists. I think Zegers has 10 and 19, so he's behind a little bit on points. Zegers had COVID though. Miss some games. Zegris is the kind of player that you can build around. And I think Raymond is too. I think Zegris gets the win on popularity, on the fact that he's going to be so damn marketable for the NHL. That's really, that's in my pick. Like he just, the things he does in the ice are so different and they always have been. Yeah, I rem- pass. yeah. I remember the first time I watched Trevor Zegris play in the World Juniors and I was like, oh my God, this kid's going to be nasty one day. And one day is now. He's nasty, and he's going to be for the next 20 years. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of – my pick's egress. It always was from the start of the year. He's my pick, so I like that. I mean, other than that, look at the Vesna for the last major trophy we're looking at here. Who do you have for the Vesna? Ooh, the Vesna. So, I, I'm really liking my boy Igor Shirkston. Shisterkin? Shisterkin, yeah. Out of New York is just – I feel like I have my fantasy lineup, so definitely a little. Yeah, he's a solid him. goalie, really. Is. But what he, but I feel like without him, even after missing like all that time was like COVID and an injury, he's really like gotten New York to where they are. Without him, like like his offensive style and really letting up the amount of goals he has, it's like he gives New York a chance to win every time he's in that. So I definitely I feel like he's a good pick. Also, you like Andre. Vesselesi, he's there every year. Like his yep. plays is unreal. So you always have to have him in conversation. So yeah, is anything between those two for me? Yeah. I mean, Jack Campbell's up there in the conversation too, but I just, his numbers are great. They are. I think Igor Shisterkin is running away with it right now. He's second in goals against, first and save, first and save percentage, tied for third in shutouts, tied for seventh for his record, but that's not really all on him. His goals against averages. 2.02. His save percentage is 0.9338. He's dominating. If he keeps it up, it's his It's his trophy. At 26 years old, good job, Rangers. You have another elite goaltender for the next 10 years. Assholes. But everything's going good. Everything is going good. What are you queuing what are you queuing the duck boats? Yeah. I was making you the duck. Yeah. Sorry, Kevin got excited. He started queuing the duck boats when he heard that the Rangers had a good goalie for the next 10 years. We weren't talking about Sway, man. Jesus. All right, let's keep it going. Right there. 
Yeah, that's fine. We're not going to edit that out. I like that too much to edit it out. <laughs> but I think it's time to talk a little bit about some football, right? You want to jump into some football talk? Yeah, you know I'm really for that football talk. Tell me, so tell me about. Be... Yeah, you lead the way on this. I'm going to let you, you take wanna... charge here. No, it's it's all you. You take charge. No, but do you want to give a little? Uh... We're going to go. Okay, Just go right in. So definitely, we're gonna look at a little super wild card weekend. First of all, we hate the word super wild card weekend. Oh, it's terrible! I don't understand why we can't just go a wild card weekend. Obviously, we had two more teams through it, but hey, we don't we don't get paid the big bucks for that. So no, yeah, that was the it's the cringiest thing ever. Like I'm like, what? I can't believe that they actually went with that. It's so funny. It's so weird. Like I just don't understand it. Yeah, no, it's hilarious. I like it. I like it. I hate it. I like it. I hate it. I've gone back and forth. But you know what? We had to, we had to watch some good football, right? I mean, yes and no for good football. Yeah. So that's like the biggest thing of last weekend was um, what we saw. Like somebody didn't they were either close or they were blowouts. Yeah. And one statistic that really stood out was there was no lead change in the second half for any game. Really? It was, yeah. Whoever went into halftime with a lead never gave it up once. There was I did not realize changed. that. That's bananas. Yeah, like, that's awful. And then we want to talk about yeah. awful. You talk about the Bills going seven possessions and scoring seven TDs. Yeah, I didn't think we needed to bring that up. No right? field goals, no punts, no interceptions, no fumbles. Patriots defense, defense was abysmal. It was just... I, I just hate it. It's it's awful. It's I just don't understand. You go from being a top five defense in the regular season to being the worst defense in the history of a playoff team. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. It was so bad. I, just, I don't really get like what made it happen. And I gotta be honest, I was so happy watching it. I was so happy seeing the Patriots lose. I turned it off in the second quarter. I will Ooh, admit it. That's so like, tough. See, I kept I watching, I was so happy. Like, no. I just I couldn't do it. It was just once once we were down like twenty one nothing. I'm like, you, you can't put that on a, court, a rookie quarterback shoulders. No. You tried in the past in the regular season, and it hasn't worked out. I was like, I kept I kept tracking the game on my phone, but I was like, no, I'm not doing this. I can't watch this. I legit yeah. will cry myself to sleep tonight. How do you see? Um, what do you think ones? What is one major area the Patriots are going to look to fix in this offseason? Ooh, I definitely think that we, we still need a number one wide receiver. We just yeah. don't have that. You need a wide receiver. And the D-line, there's just no pressure was being given to Josh Allen. It's You you need to change that. Well, I just don't – my whole thing is like Matthew Judon. Great season – until the bye week. Where's Matt Judon been what since happened? the bye week? What happened? I just don't get it. It was no. like that one game when he kind of like got hurt a little. I think it was against the Bills too. And then ever since that, it's just been, where's Matt Judon? There's just, there's no pressure. He set a career high in sacks of 12 and a half. And then he just stopped. He hadn't had yeah. a sack since. That's so, so weird. Five weeks of like with no sacks really. Yeah, I, the Patriots defense was so stout, and then it just started to slowly crumble. I don't know I don't if that's know. Like the players, or I don't know if it's the coaching with Steve Belichick, Bill's son, calling the plays. 
but it's I tough, think, right? How do I you think Patriots either, fans feel about Steve Belichick? Like, how do you feel about him? My man gives the best facial reaction on the sideline in the NFL. Okay, so that's all you Can't guys get care. that wrong. You want enough. Yeah, no, but I think I think you definitely have to shake things up because it's they're gonna want call, <clears> like they're gonna want to change, and especially you have Gerard Mayo being interviewed by like four different teams. He's your linebacks coach. He called just like how Brian Flores was. Mayo was the one calling your red zone. Your best defense was your red zone defense. Do you think Bill would fire his own son? I don't think he will fire him. He would I think he'll, demo- he'll yeah. demote him. Yeah, back to like safeties. Yeah, or I can see that. That I think is possible. He won't let him call the defensive plays. But <clears> he won't fire him. Well, I, that's a, you know, I, I, hard as Bill Belichick is. I don't think he'll fire his son. No, probably not. He, Bill Belichick's actually back. He's on back on Nantucket. It really did not take him long to get back to his summer and winter home on Nantucket. Good for him. Good for him. I, you know, and my team kind of had the same results. I guess not the same results. We at least fought a little bit, but yeah, those fifteen uh, penalty flags really fought. Pathetic. The Cowboys are the least disciplined, worst coach team in the NFL, and it's not even close. Being a Cowboys fan for the last twenty five years, whatever, I've been a fan prior for like eighteen because I was, you know, an infant. But the Cowboys (laughs) have just let me down every year for my whole life, like every single year. And this year, we finally had like the talent, but I didn't for a second actually think Mike McCarthy was going to bring us to the promised land. So I wasn't as surprised as you think. I thought we'd get through that game. No problem, but we didn't. And the play calling was terrible. I mean, with 13 seconds left, we ran a quarterback sneak up the middle. Like you can't fix that. Like it's, it's broken. Oh, was that the extra call? Or was that just Dak? Being was Dak? that just Dak? I don't know. And like, that's where that's my question for you. Do you think Dak Prescott can win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? I do not. Neither I do I. Do not think Dak. It's great regular season quarterback, and even then he's on that great. There's just times like, especially after that ankle injury, he's different. He's is different. He second guesses yeah. himself. Yep. It's like he worries more about him throwing it with just his arm than putting pressure on that ankle. We could see there's a change in year two post that ankle injury that he's like. Oh, I hope the so. he works it, but this year was just. The consistency, the consistency wasn't there. No, it just he would have a great game, throw 400 yards, five TDs, yeah, and then show up and throw 150 yards, one TD, three picks. You can't like it's so. Just, the thing is, and you can't blame players around him. Like Romo's whole career, pretty much, other than 2014, right? We were able to like blame the people around him a lot of times. Dak has the best team around him, one of the best teams around him. He has a top 10 O line, top five two running backs together. I'd say best receiving core. What is wrong with him? Like, how does right. it not if work? You, if, 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 tight Romo, ends. If you give Romo this. Oh, my God. Like, don't even Romo don't ever. Saying, like, how much I hate Tony Homo, but, you know, gosh. we're we're out here and I'm going to support him. See, and even I if, love During Romo. the game, if you listen to Romo during that old broadcast, he was a San Francisco fan. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Like, he was not rooting for that the Cowboys was, at that all. I was like, whoa. Yeah, he was, I from the very that. beginning, he was not back in the Cowboys. No, he knew just like how you're one and only Kevin Santangelo knew San Francisco was going to win. Yeah, I lost which that bet. I paid. Dollars, I paid. Jake I did, did pay. pay. He's a good man, man of I his paid. word. I did did lose the bet there, but you know, I didn't have the Connor Green involved on this one. No, oh, yeah, I I pay my bets. I pay my debts. I pay my bets. There's no question about that. That's but why yeah. he loves me. I pay him. All. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, and then that brings me to like 
it just I'm so sour on Dak right now. After the game, when he made the comments that he or he didn't he said he understands whatever he said. I don't even remember. It was so idiotic. He was happy that the fans had thrown things at the refs. He's obviously came and backtracked that so much now and put out eight, eight tweets in a row. Like Dude, a he, he had a $25,000 fine. Yeah, it deservingly so. Like, just it was came. just so asinine. Like, to blame the refs in that game, the Cowboys are undisciplined. The holding penalties, the hands to the face, were all legit. They're all legit. Nah. Everyone knows that the ref has to touch the ball. Like, sorry, he didn't get there that fast. Don't run the you ball. Know, I, left. I I could bring Jake's text to me. No, no, no. We don't need to do that. Yeah, I was uh, angry. No, <laughs> I was angry at the time. But like, I the more like it when I calm down, I look at him like this was such a badly coached game. How about like when it's clear cut to go for it on fourth down? Absolutely, don't go for it. When when it makes no sense, we're like fake punting. Like it's just the Cowboys make no sense. Yeah, they're the so, worst coach team. I would, I want Mike McCarthy fired so bad. It's not. Yeah, so it's a big thing. I hate that guy. Would you fire Mike McCarthy and elevate Kellen Moore to your head coach? You know what? No, I actually wouldn't. I was telling you yes early in the week. I want a clean house. I want. I'll keep Dan Quinn. I want to fire everybody else. I want to get rid of all of them. I don't think he's some sort of wizard. He was a mediocre quarterback. He's a decent play caller. Not he everyone was a great can be quarterback at Boise State. Yeah. Okay. That's Not all. everyone can't be Sean McVay. Okay. I think we need to go out and get a good coach. Like, is it not Mike McCarthy. I, I don't know. I'm done. I'm done with the Cowboys. Season's over. They suck. That's it. So, no, that's one big thing I saw. Was like Tony Dungy said the best. He goes before that last 15 seconds, you had 15 penalties. You gave up 180 rushing yards, only had 77 rushing yards yourself. We're completing 60% of your passes. It's It wasn't the last 15 seconds. No. It wasn't the rest. It was the whole no. game. Plus, like, the, Cowboys fans are out here acting like, me and self included, myself, myself included, <laughs> like, what was Dak going to throw a Hail Mary from the 50 and we were going to win? It's like, guys, nah. we lost that game no matter what. The game was over. We, I didn't we don't have Aaron Rodgers. Towards the end, I was like, oh. Shit, it's over. They yeah, my hundred bucks. Yeah, I know, but couldn't pull it off because the Cowboys all they ever do is let us down. But before we go any further, I do want to do a nice reminder here to let everyone know our show is brought to you in partnership and sponsored by BetUS. A quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for up. For their 27th year of live betting, sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for a 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BETUS. You bet, you win, you get paid, BETUS.com. Again, we're super thankful to be sponsored by BetUS and to be partners with Inside the Rink and BetUS. Everything's been going great, and the more you support them, the more you support us. Also brings me into the point that we have our merchandise out now. So if you guys want to get T-shirts, sweatshirts, anything with the coolest logo on podcasting, the Cue the Duck Boats logo, check it out on InsideTheRink.com. I'm making sure to tweet out the link weekly from our Twitter with the merch, so check it out. We appreciate it. and. It's one of the ways we keep the lights on here and keep this podcast moving. So thank you guys for all the support. Obviously, the last couple episodes, we've seen a huge jump in the amount of listeners we're getting, and we really appreciate it. And it's awesome. We just want to interact with you guys more and more. So thank you so much. And we'll get back into the football talk. Let's rank. Kev, let's look at let's look at the quarterbacks that are left. Obviously, I think we can both agree that quarterback is the most important position in football, right? Oh, 100%. It's just, especially it's showing you in these playoffs, like, 
the quarterback position plays a lot. Yeah, I want unless you to rank. You, unless, you, unless you have the best defense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want you to rank the remaining quarterbacks for me, okay? All right, so this is tough. Number one, I got to go Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I think agreed. Aaron Rodgers is just – he's had an absolute unreal season. Him and Matt LaFleur, just – they're connecting. This is three straight seasons of 13 wins. Between them and just what Rogers connecting with Devontae Adams, it's just it's unreal. It's, there's nothing matched to it. My second quarterback I have to go is Tom Brady. It's just with his experience and everything, Tom's Tom. He showed you he's not letting down. Even losing his number one and his number two wide receiver, Tom's still here to win. He's not going to let down. He's going for number eight. So, Tom Brady's my second quarterback. Number three, I'm going Patrick Mahomes. Um, just the rot, the talent off that arm is just, even with the whole team kind of around him, it's just Patrick Mahomes finds ways to get that ball out of his hand quick. Like the crazy sidearm passes. Mahomes is definitely number three. Number four is definitely Josh Allen. Um because Allen does it all. It's not just the passing, as the Patriots okay. saw. He's seventy yards. He's like how fast he is for he's, like a six he's such five, a big like boy too. Two hundred and thirty pound quarterback. That man runs, and he's not afraid to hit you or get hit. So definitely, Josh Allen comes in at number four. Number five for me is Matthew Stafford, the gunslinger. Um. He's not afraid. He doesn't care what the pass is. If he's set, he's not set. He will throw that ball, and he'll take the chance. Which is not too high interceptions, but he's not afraid to put it in that tight window. So, Matthew Savage, number five. For number six, I'm going Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, he's here to win. Whether he wins this year, wins next year, the rest of his career, Joe Burrow's here to win, and he's showing you right now this year. This is his coming out party. This is just the beginning. This is the taste. So definitely Joe Burrow, number six. And then I'm going to go Tannehill for number seven. Just because he has his moments, and Jimmy G just it's hot or cold. So that leads me to number eight, Jimmy Garoppolo. I just – you never know what you get with Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the hardest part. Last two games of the season, he throws with 300 yards. And then last last week, you have him. Yeah, they have the pretty much game game sign. He throws that interception. Oh, yeah. He so bad. Four yeah, yards over his receiver. And it's like, <clears throat> come on, dude. Like, like why? Like, I get you've had a sprained thumb. And after this week, he has a sprained shoulder. But Jimmy's just not Jimmy and that. And that's why San Fran's willing to move on to him. Oh, yeah, they definitely going, are. They even definitely after going are. to the Super Bowl with him, coming back to the playoffs, they're, they're like, we're done. We just can't. So, you'll have to see Jimmy Garoppolo traded this offseason or sometimes next season. So, that's yeah. my right there. Nope. I, I'm pretty close with all those. I'll give you mine quick. I had Aaron Rodgers one, Tom Brady two. I have Josh Allen three. I th- I like Josh Allen better than Patrick Mahomes. I just have him a little bit higher for how I rank him. Fourth, I have Joe Burrow. Fifth, I'm going. Oh, sorry. Fourth, I'm going Patrick Mahomes. Fifth, Joe Burrow. 
sixth Stafford, seventh Tanny, eighth Jimmy G. Pretty close. I, I think it'd be hard to argue either one of our lists, really. It's yeah. Kind of where, it's kind of just where they fall, really, to be honest. I think, like, from here, I think we got to jump into some of our questions here that we got. So, uh, again, we put out a tweet that we're going to start try to answer some of your guys' questions. And our buddy Sharagi Sh- gave us some good <laughs> – save us some good questions here, so we're going to get into them. First one for you, Kev, I'm going to let you really take charge on the football questions. Did the Giants stay with Daniel Jones since he didn't have maybe the right system or coaching or change a QB? So I think they're definitely going to bring Daniel Jones back for one season. So if you look at Daniel Jones' like stats. And Shroggy, sorry, I'm not even going to start to try to pronounce your last name. Yeah, that's why I let Jake say it. I just... Yank, Yankelwitz, that's my best. But all right. Yeah. So definitely Daniel Jones, it's interesting because if you look back to Daniel Jones' stats and everything, he kind of had like a decent rookie year besides the fumbles. That's the one thing that kills Daniel Jones is the fumbles. You can't fumble that much. Like, it's insane how much he fumbles. Like, if you look at it, he had his rookie year, he had – 18 fumbles, lost 11. In his total career, 36 fumbles, and he's lost 20. That's just – I don't care if you throw low picks. You can't fumble like that, especially on strip sacks, which majority of them come from. So it's definitely interesting because, like, his rookie year, he had 3,000 yards passing, and he had a 24 to 12 TD to interception rate ratio with an 87.7 QB rating. That's not awful. That's like middle of the pack, like stats are there. But he fumbled 18 times and had 11 fumbles. So I think it's tough because, yes, this is like Joe Judge showed to be an awful coach. Oh, yeah. He's on third and 11 on your own, like six yard yeah, line. He's terrible. You did a QB sneak, daring them to fire you. Yeah. What you saw, like, Joe Judge is out. David Gentleman, he retired. Because he didn't want to get fired. So I think finding the right system for Daniel Jones is definitely important, but I feel like he's going to be out eventually. Which brings you to like the free agent quarterbacks. There's really no free agents this year. You have the Ryan Fitzpatrick's, no. Andy Dalton's, yeah, James no, Winston's, Teddy Bridgewater, just Marcus. Marcus Mayer is the only upside one. Nah. And so Trubisky, but like the names aren't there. I'll well, stop you. you there. I'll stop you there. Who are you hearing? I know that you have some inside insiders in the draft that I know you've been reading. Kevin, literally, on draft day, usually can guess the first 20 picks of the draft pretty almost right every year. Who are your two QBs you think they're looking at? So the two QBs I've been hearing a lot, they're going number one. The first QBs on the board, it's going to be Malik Willis, the QB out of Liberty. Like, he didn't play the big-name schools, but he's such – a high upside QB. Like, he's such a dual threat QB. Like, he's outstanding. Like, when he, he rushed for 1,800 yards and 27 touchdowns just in his past two seasons. So, there's so much upside for that, especially when the Giants have two top 10 picks. Like, that's what everyone forgets. Like, they're picking number seven and they're picking number five. So you can easily get any quarterback you want, whether it's Malik Willis or my favorite, who I watched all season long, Kenny Pickett, the big body out of Pittsburgh. 
He has the arm. He has the intelligence. So it's definitely if you went one of the quarterbacks with your fifth pick and then went O-line with the seventh pick, which is going to bring us in another question that he brought in was was Saquon Barkley. I'll step in on that one if you'd like a little bit. You want me to yeah. jump up Saquon? No, but like you need to get your quarterback of the future because Daniel Jones obviously isn't your quarterback. But you need an O-line. No, you do. You need Like that's the biggest thing. It's you can't expect whether it's Daniel Jones or a rookie quarterback or even a veteran quarterback to come in and be under that much pressure, no. get hit that much time, not be able to get the running game going. So I definitely think it's going to be Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, and an O-lineman. It's one of those, like, out of those, those two picks, an O-lineman and a quarterback. I definitely don't see you going the free agent route. Yeah, and me either. Another big thing is, too, is, like, your receiver core. Like, Kadarius Tony showed great upside. Oh, yeah. When he wasn't injured. Like, Kenny Galladay has been a bust since he signed that big contract. Um, Darius Slayton, really iffy. Another name I heard is Sterling Shepard's out. Like, he's going to be the odd man out of that receiving core, and he's probably going to be done in New York because just the last two years with his injuries and everything, like, we thought with the end of, what, 2020, beginning of 2021, Sterling Shepard was having great numbers. But once those injuries started kicking in again, he just he disappeared. He wasn't producing. So don't be surprised if Sterling Shepard is not on the Giants squad going into the 2022. I wouldn't be surprised 2023 at all. season at all. So. so when I look at the question of what's wrong with Saquon Barkley, I think part of it's confidence. I do. I, I'm going to go with all the above for this full question. So it's what's wrong with Saquon Barkley? Was it the O-line injuries, confidence, or all the above? So Saquon, whenever he started to look good, he got hurt. Right, I had him in fantasy. He rolls that ankle right when he's starting to look good. I think that rattled his confidence. Then again, I watched a lot of Saquon Barkley this year. He had no O-line. He had to create his own space. When he had good games, it was all on him. There was no holes for him. He was getting hit at the line. He was breaking tackles if he was getting any yards. So do I think Saquon is done? No. I think Saquon Barkley can still be a really, really good running back in the NFL. I think he needs an O-line, and I think he needs to get his confidence back. I think that's kind of it with Saquon. It's like any running back. Running backs are as good as their O-line, and that's just the truth of it. So I think what Kevin said is exactly right. This Giants team doesn't have to be terrible, but this draft is going to be the most important draft of the last 10 years for them. It really is. They need to they need to make the move now to either start to move in the right direction or slowly slip away and become a poverty franchise, which is not what we want to see to the Giants. You know what I mean? Like I like when the Giants are good at football. It's better for – it's better for our whole area of football. It's better for the Cowboys. I like to watch good football games. You know what I mean? I know. Yeah, I know. I know. We lost twice to the Giants. Yeah, I know. But I like when the Giants are good. I do. And I think your other question of where where do you think coaches fit best in the NFL, we touched on that last week a little bit. Obviously, we think that Brian Flores is definitely going to get a job. I know I've seen that Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn both are interviewing in Denver. I wouldn't be surprised if either of them were to get that job. So I want to step in on this one. Yep, do it. I really like Dan Quinn going to Minnesota. Yep. I can see Dan Quinn in Minnesota. Successful, I, too. I can see Brian Flores in Denver. Those oh. are my two. I feel like Jared, um, Jared Mayo, Gerard Mayo, is going to Houston just because of um, the connection. Connections the there. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, with Nick Casero and everything. And then one thing I really want to talk about was Jim Harbor leaving Michigan to take the Las Vegas job. That's imagine that the interest has been there, and 
him and Mark Davis have like they have history, and there's been the connections there. But then also like you you can't underlook what their intermed coach um, has done. No, like, you can't. He's what he's been through with that team and uh, the whole John Gruden happening and the Henry Ruggs. And then you had a couple other players get like, arrested or injured. Yeah. You still you set a winning record, led the team to the playoffs, and you were one touchdown short, which some could say that one touchdown should have been called back because of that whole – Oh yeah, no, not no. I mean, the whistle was the whistle was blown. I definitely heard it. Yes, that that NFL yeah, refing no. you, yeah, crew will not be allowed no, to not. coach for the rest of the playoffs. It's already been announced. The coach to ref, you mean? But yeah, yeah, yeah the no, refs they won't be allowed to ref for the rest. Yeah, I saw that too. I did see that, and I agree with it. I think that kind of brings us in that that wraps up our question segments. Uh, the question segment. We're gonna name it. We just haven't came up with one yet, so I'll get that out to you by midweek. Yeah, we'll get a name. We'll get something fresh and pretty for that. But um, let's do before we wrap things up today. I know we've been running a little long here. Um, let's give our picks for the divisional round. Uh, game one, we have the Bengals. Bengals. Who do you have? I'm going Bengals. Joe Burrow's gonna put his. He's gonna put a stamp on this playoff. Joe Mix just came out and said the best. We haven't even played our best football yet. Derrick Henry got activated. Yeah, but they got Trey Hendrickson back on that D-line out of concussion protocol. So you have your top TN back. So even with Derrick Henry healthy, it's I still see the Bengals being being able to outduel Tennessee. I agree one hundred percent. Tennessee's the most disrespected number one seed ever. Ever in the playoffs. Ever, yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. I'm gonna continue to disrespect them. Yeah. So Joe Burrow's he's here to play. He knows uh, what it takes to win in a high environment, and he's ready. He, after that rookie season against ACL torn, he's ready to get back to winning championships. So next game, Niners Packers. What do you have? I'm going Packers, just with Jimmy yeah. G after last game and him having a potential shoulder sprain. I'm not 100 no Nick Bosa is gonna be playing or how Fred Warner's ankle. I'm just going Aaron Rodgers. He's going to carve that defense up, and they're going to be able to pull it off. I'm going Packers. Agree 100%. I think Aaron Rodgers wills them to a win no matter what. I think you could actually see the Packers come out, get down two touchdowns to start that game, just because they might be a little rusty, might be a little not quite ready in the playoff mindset. And I think Aaron Rodgers comes out in the second half of that game and sets the world on fire. I'm giving it to the Packers. Who do you have for Rams Bucks? We're going to disagree on this one. Oh, this is a tough one. Oh, I'm going box. I just I can't bet yeah, against Tom. Every time you bet against Tom, it never ends well. No, I'm going Rams. So, I'm yeah, I can definitely Rams. see your Rams defense. Rams defense. Rams defense. Rams defense. Cam Akers is back. OBJ is playing for real, and it's Matt Stafford's time to get a playoff, another playoff win here. So I'm I'm happy with Matt Stafford the way he looked, and I think that Brady's gonna have a lot of trouble with the amount of pressure he's gonna see. And it also depends if Aaron Donald gets suspended for this game for throwing yeah, that punch. Yeah, that's that'll be a game changer. No Donald, ooh, I change my mind. Interior pressure. I probably change my mind. No Aaron Donald, I might go Bucks. I don't know. I'm leaving. But also, you also saw Bruce Arians got fined fifty thousand dollars for hitting that player in the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. I know. Last game, Bills Chiefs. Bills. Me too. I'm going to Bills. Just not like big part of me is if the Patriots are gonna lose that badly, like 
at least let the Bills go to the AFC Championship. Let well, them show, like, hey, we're actually legit this year. So I'm going to the Super Bowl, but I think the biggest thing for Kevin and I right now, we're not going to give our Super Bowl picks yet or in like that. I think we're going to give our allegiance to the Bengals and the Bills. We're going to look at those two franchises who have had a whole lot of just bad shit happen to them over the last decade, and we're going to root for the Bengals. We're going to root for the Bills. I think you agree with that, right? Yeah, I can get behind it. Yeah, Josh well, Allen's a good, good Christian good quarter. guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all behind Josh Allen and I'm all behind Joey Burrow. But I think that's that, a guy, boy. Yeah, I mean, he's got he has more swag than any quarterback since uh, I don't know Joe Montana. I like it. <laughs> I wish you could all see me doing the point in my finger for the yeah. ring. Yeah, he's. I'll never forget when Joe Burrow did that. He's just like, yeah. give me the ring right now. Come yeah. on, he's Where's he's the at? man. Got to give him credit there. But I think this is another great episode, buddy. We went a little over an hour. I definitely had some fun here. And you guys can definitely all find us on Twitter at Q the Duck Boats with a Z. And we appreciate all the follows and everything that you guys have been doing to help us out. And we're going to keep this thing coming every week. Good night, Kevy. Good night, Jake. <laughs>